Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as, I am Ali, I think, comedy, writing, stand-up, podcast, at link, dates, poems, blogs, etc., at link. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Alice Fraser. Hi. Hello. Hello, Alice. In social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Uh, I usually say, hi, I'm Alice Fraser. Um, I tend to hit the R quite hard at the end of my name uh, because I have spent too much time among foreigners who don't get the accent. Uh, <laughs> So I sound peculiar when I introduce myself. Instead of all of us Antipodeans and Fraser. 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 Uh, Mate. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Particularly Americans get really confused by accents in a way that seems like <laughs> mind-boggling to me. Like it's not yes. that difficult to understand a different accent. <laughs> well... True. Do you spend a lot of time with Americans? Uh, I lived in New York for a year, so. Uh, wow. Yeah. Whenever I go out, whenever I feel out of place uh, or socially awkward in any way, I tend to start. I don't change much of my accent, I, but I will hit my R's harder, as though that's going to help me feel okay. less out of place. <laughs> <laughs> what prompted the year in New York? Um. Oh, trying to escape from life. I guess I. Mm-hmm. I was um, working at. A, an investment bank as an intern and I that was a year of my life that I probably should not have have spent doing that <laughs> New York is a hell of a place to run to yeah it is it's a hell of a place to be poor oh I can imagine wow uh, it's not the stupidest thing I've ever done but um it was it was an education can I ask, Alice, what was the stupidest thing you've ever done? You can ask, but I can't answer. <laughs> That's fine. In the legal reasons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the the end, so oh, yeah, I was in New York for a year. Was there a definite time frame that meant that just wrapped up naturally, or you went, "No, nah, I've had enough. This has to end." Well, uh, I was there on a, a J-1 visa, so the intern visa, and mm. um, that ran out. And uh, I went to Syria for a little while after that. Of course you did. Yeah. And then it's difficult to get back in unless you um, have a sponsor or get a green card or marry an American, which, you know, is a high price to pay. <laughs> uh, Syria strikes me as almost the complete antithesis of everything New York is about. What prompted that? Uh, I I had a friend who was doing some work there and I thought that I could um, be of help. Uh, Mm. And after a year of of working in an investment bank, I felt like I had some some balance in the universe to redress. Um, given some of the stuff that's gone on in Syria in the last couple of months, have you heard from your friend? Are they still there or are people that you know, how are they affected? No, we left uh, about three weeks before the borders closed. Um, yes. So went went to Beirut from there and uh, parted ways. Uh, he's fine, happily married, living a good life. Mm. That's great. Because so. it's 
it seems pretty torrid, everything that's happened in Syria lately. That's it's huge. Yeah, it's, it's, can I swear on this podcast? You're very welcome it's to express yourself however you want. Fucking horrendous is what it is. So. <laughs> How do you describe your experience of family? Uh, my experience of family? Yes, ma'am. Uh, interesting. That's an interesting way to put it. I have, um, I love my family. I have mm-hmm. a, an unusual family situation, I think. My mum uh had MS my whole life Mm. so um we never had I have a twin brother and I have a father and a mother my father was originally Jewish my mum was originally Catholic and then they became Buddhist um, wow before we were born and so my brother and I were born into this very specific Burmese Buddhist tradition which was the one that my parents adopted Mm. so I uh I have that sort of slightly muddled cultural heritage in that I feel I feel slightly Jewish, or Jewish enough to get offended by Holocaust jokes <laughs> or to make them. Um, yes. And uh, Buddhist in a, in a specifically Asian cultural way and Burmese culture, which is um, only now sort of becoming more mainstream, I think. It's not a culture that a lot of Westerners had contact with or understood when I was growing up, so I was a very weird kid, um, and also just having having the situation of having a mom who was sick and having to look after her mm. meant that we were a very tight knit family, and maybe a little bit um, too tight knit in that way of slightly closing out the outside world and feeling like you got to protect one another against everything. Yes. Uh, so that's my my experience of family, and then you know finding a, a world in which I fit the comedy world and mm-hmm. the uh, the world of ideas and people who are really genuinely interested in ideas and, and having built that family of, of people later on in life was a real, like a wonderful thing to find a place in the world that I belonged. Yes. People search their whole lives for that, Alice. Yeah. Well, I was lucky to find it uh, relatively early uh, when I hit How- university. So. How how does that then connect with, you know, your, your intern year in New York? How does that connect or, or rub against your place in the comedy tribe? Well, so before, so I got to university and I made my friends in uh, the improvised comedy scene, uh, yes. well, some of them at least, and so it was just playing with them on stage uh, and, right. I, and being terrible at comedy, genuinely terrible, Um <laughs> And I just had that thing of, of I'd always been told I had heaps of potential and that's quite an intimidating thing. So this was something yes. that I had no, I was just terrible at, like the unquestionably horrendous at uh, this thing. And I thought, well, if I can get good at this, I'll, I'll know it's just m- me working hard. It's not some weird sort of blessing from the gods, potential talent bullshit. It's actually just hard work. And so I started doing that and then I did the university reviews and then I went to uh, Cambridge. It was in, in the footlights there, Christ. all sketch comedy and, and stuff. And then I went to New York and just didn't have any friends and started doing stand-up there because it's the place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I found that that was like once you do stand-up, it's really hard to back off because you don't need any organisation. Like sketch is 
brilliant. It's yep. you, you feel like you're more than the sum of your parts. You make other people better. They make you better. You build with each other something really that you can be super proud of. But stand up, it's just you. You just show up. You know, no rehearsals, yes. no politics, no like you don't split any money. <laughs> yes. Oh wow. So this you you talk about um you know you were you were bad at comedy in the first instance. Yes. Um arguably ha- still am. Oh well, I, I was going to offer the the opposite. Everything that I've seen and heard both in in stuff that I've listened to of yours uh and you know maybe catching you you do a do a spot and that other people then say about you and then the reviews if you believe them is that you're actually really good at it. Uh, well, I am, uh, a lot better than I was when I started. Um, and I I can say that because I know where I started and that's the thing about comedy, which is that like, I do feel I'm, I'm a competent comedian and I, in, in my own area, I'm, I'm good. Yes. Uh, I've got a long way to go to where I would like to be, but, um, I know exactly how, hard I work to get here and I know exactly how many times I died on my ass in New York and I know I just it's something that I'm really proud of and I can I feel like that's one of the reasons why I'm a comedian and not a lawyer anymore because I just I just feel every every step that I took to get here and I I am proud of it. What is a source of strength for you? Oh, just there's this radioactive rock uh, that I, <laughs> um, I, I, God, I don't know. Um, people, people, I, I, I like people. I like mm-hmm. the approval of people. I like connecting with people. Um, I like my far out source of strength. I can't, I can't answer that I don't I feel like I'm relatively tough maybe Mm. as a as a person um delusion probably (laughs) just a a resilience and delusion in a sweet combination uh shifting proportions as required (laughs) how do you recharge your batteries I listen to terrible fantasy novels while going on long walks (laughs) Yes. Uh, I will curl up in a tree and read a book. Um, yeah, sort of alone time and other people's fantasy worlds or literature, I, I can escape into those places. Or going for a swim. It used to be running, but I'm not very fit at the moment, so running is its own kind of torture rather than a pleasant, relaxing release. So, yeah. I hear that. Walking, walking and listening to audiobooks, I would say. What's the hardest truth you've had to deliver? Oh, um, it depends. Um, I've had to deliver a couple in my life. Uh, Mm -hmm. There was last year when uh, my mum was uh, diagnosed with uh, cancer and it came it came out that it was terminal. I had to tell a lot of people that. That was not mm. cool. 
um, that was hard in a way, as uh, harder than saying that she had died actually because it was Mm -hmm. sort of this amorphous thing of, oh, well, we don't know how long it's going to be. That was hard. Oh, I also had a thing where I had a friend who was falling into a depression and he Mm. was reaching out to me and I, at that time, mum was in hospital and I just didn't have the juice for it and Mm. I had to look my friend in the face and say, I can't be that person for you. Like you need to go back to your parents or you need to have another friend who's your anchor. Like I cannot be, I can't, well, A, I can't help because it's a mental illness and I'm not Prozac. Um, (laughs) But also, yeah, I can't even pretend to help. I can't even try to help. I haven't got it. That was hard. And that was harder, that was hard because it involved like saying something and quite unpleasant about myself and Mm. being unwilling to help a friend is not something that you think of as part of your personality. If you're a, you know, if you think of yourself as a a good person relatively, and I tend not to think of myself as like a massive monster. Um, But yeah, just going, yeah, I can't, I can't help you and I'm not even going to pretend to try. That was hard. Are you still friends with that person? No. No, unfortunately. He was not in the place to hear that Yeah, and he took it very badly, uh, understandably, I think. Um, mm. But it was, you know, it was hard. It was hard to say that and it was hard for him to hear it and it was hard to deal with the fallout from that. That I, I'm sure that would have been a very difficult call for you to make uh and i hear i hear you saying you know some of the pain that you felt in that and 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 it you know it it didn't resolve all nice and pretty wrapped up in a bow right life gets to be messy sometimes that we can't fix um do you how do you sand those edges off life when when there's those kinds of points and pricks and stuff that yeah i like that well i mean it's sort of almost the opposite for me in that I was brought up Buddhist. So like meditation and being calm and letting things go mm. and not having fights or not avoiding conflict or t- sort of swallowing things comes quite naturally. Um, but I think having grown up a little bit and thought about life and what I want from life, I I try now a little bit more to really feel those hard edges and be aware of them and conscious of them and, you know, just spend a little bit of time with them before packing them down or packing them away. I don't, I'm I'm not somebody who's like suddenly overwhelmed by emotions generally. They don't kind of come out of left field for me and it's, it's relatively easy to pack them away. I think that's probably doing a disservice to the complexity of life. I think mm-hmm. if you have, if you have done something like that to a friend, you should feel it. Mm. I think you should, you know, you shouldn't always cushion blows that for yourself or for other people. Sometimes you've just got to be really straight up. And, and uh, I mean, the analogy that I tend to use is like, you know, boxing gloves. Mm. Um, if you hit someone with a boxing glove, you don't 
seem to be doing them a lot of damage. That uh, you see a boxer after 10 years of, of, of being hit and he's a mess, like it's all internal damage, it's all brain yeah. damage, it's all that stuff. But if you hit someone with a bare fist, like it hurts you and it hurts them and they're going to start bleeding relatively quickly and you can see the damage that you're doing on the surface yeah. and that's going to moderate the way that you fight and it's going to moderate the way that you're able to attack somebody else. I think there's way too much kind of slippery avoidance and and it's something that I do is avoiding Mm. fights and avoiding or try to say things in in ways that are not hurtful for example with a breakup if you're if you're going to break up with someone yes that that urge that you have not to be the villain not to hurt their feelings it's the wrong urge Mm. it's not you it's me yeah oh it's just because of this blah blah Mm. blah blah and then they walk away and they don't they almost don't feel the cut until their head falls apart. Um, yeah. That like that samurai movie thing. They don't know what's happened until <laughs> yes. half of their body slides away. Um, you, you should do them the credit of saying, I'm breaking up with you because I don't want to be with you anymore. <laughs> like. Yep. And that's, that's the, that's the gloves off version and it's a more painful thing to say and it's a more painful thing to hear, but long-term I think it probably does less damage. And this, oh, let's just take a break. I don't know where my head's at at the moment, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. That, yep. You know, that's a. I just think that's a cowardly way to do things. And I don't always live up to my own uh, principles in this regard, but I would like to. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry uh, about your mother to hear... Um, her passing and, and stuff that sounds very traumatic for you i won't i won't press you anymore around that but my condolences to you guys that would have been very hard ah uh, yeah it was a long time coming um she had ms as i said my whole life so it mm. was always on the cards and we didn't know when it would happen um the fact that it was cancer and that it, that kind of moved very quickly that was a surprise but the whole idea of of our time with her being limited meant that my brother and I and my dad, uh, we all spent a lot of time, more time I think than most families do together and looking after each other and being being kind to each other. Like I, I couldn't, yes. I can't, I can't say it was a complicated feeling. I'm just sad. And, mm. and that's a lot luckier than most people get to be with their parents actually. A lot of people have really complicated, unpleasant things. Mm-hmm. And they don't yeah. get to just feel sad. Um, yeah, so I feel that's true. quite a privilege. How you seem – no, that, that's not the right way to say it. <laughs> your approach is one where you're fairly self-analytical, reasonably – you sound reasonably centred. You're Like you talked about your failings and I don't always live up to my own expectations, those sorts of things. Yeah. How does this translate into comedy then for you? Um, I overthink things massively occasionally. Uh, it means that you're telling a joke that people are sort of not not on board with. Like I, mm. I find that if I'm doing – I like what I really like comedy for is looking at difficult and complicated ideas and sometimes sure. that's not what people want on a night out. <laughs> No, first dates, comedy. Yeah, that didn't. Mm. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, so I I like I love that kind of wrestling with the black part of comedy. Um yep. but I I have to remind myself often to like jokes are actually very hard to do properly. Like just basic funny well-constructed yep. jokes are worth doing. You know, you don't have to be a massive kind of inverted head up your ass comedy nerd to to be good at the job. When you travel internationally and it asks for your occupation, what do you put on the card? Writer. I put writer. Uh, it's a nice way to get around the customs guy asking you to tell us a joke. Yeah, basically it's that. And, yeah, the, the sense that if you're a comedian, people take you less seriously. And I am mm-hmm. a writer as well, so... Uh, I don't see it as a, as a lie exactly. No, it's not. How how you represent yourself, I don't think is a lie unless you are completely self-deceiving and your work reflects the things that you are. So this got very philosophical very quickly. <laughs> yes. Well, my I, I would – I feel uncomfortable at, at claiming com- comedy as an identity. I feel mm. like it's it's something that I do – um, because I'm not a funny person, I am. I'm. I'm. I do funny. I not mm. am funny. <laughs> that that's a really um, a really d- d- big distinction, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. And there are some people who are funny, and they walk on yes. stage, and you get a laugh before they even touch the microphone. They've just got those bones. Um, I I do comedy uh, as a means to an end. And sometimes I wish I didn't. I want. A lot of the comedians that I admire are just just straight up uh, funny. But for me, it's all about ideas and, and feelings and people. And comedy is a way of getting all those things. What do you do really well? Um, I articulate complex emotions in a concise and brutal way. What does that mean in your day-to-day life? Uh, it means that a lot of um, a lot of people go around not quite sure what's going on in mm. themselves or in the people around them, the dynamics between people or, or if you're a comedian between audiences or most people aren't super conscious of why they're behaving in the ways that they're behaving. Uh, and I can, if you want to, I can tell you why, or or just just subtle things that that are going on, interplays of power or or status um, that are done half consciously or unconsciously. I can put a finger on them. Often people don't want to know that. Is this a skill that you have always had, or something that you worked to to achieve? I think it comes from having that slightly complicated situation of your mum being sick and you having mm-hmm. to look after her in a way that isn't um, – I mean, it's a weird thing to tell your mum what to do or what's best for her or what she can't do mm. or to, you know, sort of negotiate that dynamic and make it easy and fun and not 
not weird and not uncomfortable and not um, depressing. Yeah. So I think it's probably it probably comes from that just just figuring out what what was going on and and how to how to balance it out how to you know like when you're sailing on a catamaran and you have to lean out to stop the boat tipping over. Mm. Uh, I'm quite good at that. In real life or, or metaphorically as well? Um, I am not a sailor, um, but in in real life metaphorically, <laughs> <laughs> in, in conversations or social situations, I, I'll, I'll usually try to make everyone feel comfortable. Um, that's a thing. That is a thing. You would have been, I'd imagine, your, you, your brother and your father and your mum, would have been on the end of some wonderful empathy from people, some real caring. And you also would have been on the end of some horrible, almost gratuitous pity. Yeah, it was interesting. I I think um, mum was very uh, dignified and gentle and people respected her sort of instinctively, mm. even when like the most humiliating or embarrassing things were happening, her body would betray her in various ways. And, and even so it was amazing how, how much dignity she had and how, how much people respected her for it. Yes. Um, yeah, it's funny. Pity is one of those things where you get moments of it. Um, but I mean, it takes takes quite a lot of energy to do sustained pity. Mm. Like, uh, after after a while, you're either helping or you you go away. Yeah. Um, oh, there's a dog. I don't know if you can hear the dog. Yeah, no, the dog will feature in the credits. Oh, good. <laughs> I don't know what its name is. You can give it a name. Sebastian, shut up. Uh, he can't hear you, but <laughs> I'm sure he'll understand. He'll get the vibe. Yes. Alice, what Christmas tradition or traditions do you have that you hold dear? Uh, well, I mean, uh, the, the Buddhist thing means we didn't take Christmas particularly seriously. Actually, mm. in my family, my Jewish granny was the one who loved Christmas the most. Uh, yes. She used to dress up as Santa Claus and come and visit. So for a long time Great. I thought Santa Claus had a Hungarian accent <laughs> and was a lady. Um <laughs> With a beard. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's so great. I mean, if you're believing in Santa Claus, I mean, why not? Like you're believing a lot of pretty implausible things to begin with. Why would he not be a lady with a Hungarian accent and a beard? Um, Mm. If he's already going down chimneys and traveling through over the whole world in a single night. Um, She was great, my granny, but I don't have any traditions of of Christmas. I don't think it's it doesn't play a huge role in my like in my idea of stuff. I guess between sure. New Year and my birthday, which is the seventh of January, I write a lot of lists. I yep. kind of do a lot of like what happened in the last year that was good and bad and what would I like to do in the next year. That's that sort of seven day period between New Year and my birthday where nothing really happens in the world. Mm, like no one's yeah. doing any work, no one's getting anything done, no one's even really socialising, everyone's just exhausted. Um, yes. I take that time to do a lot of lists. 
yeah. I apologise, Alice. I said earlier that I wouldn't talk about your mum anymore. We seem to have almost dwelt on her. It's all right. Entirely. But thank you for your for your grace. Uh-huh. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? <laughs> uh, I would like to write a book. Um, right. I'd need to do another show for um, mm. for the festivals. Um, yes. I would like to continue to make a living out of comedy. Yep. Which is a sustained and continued project. Um, it's it's something that I think for most people in this industry, you've got to keep making a career out of it. It doesn't just carry on without without your attention or effort. It's it's not um, it's not like many other careers in that way. There's not a lot of um, cruising that happens mm. if you if you want to actually you know, eat and pay rent and do all of those things. Um, I would like to do, yeah, I'd like to do the festivals and do well with them and uh, take over the world probably. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I would like to get enough traction and enough, you know, whatever it is, publicity or, or public consciousness or fame to sustain this career as a career basically. Please, the- please just do be a, a benevolent global dictator when you do take over. All right. Free parking for you. Thank you, your worshipness. <laughs> Alice, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I, I want to thank you very much for the things that you've shared with us. They're very special oh. uh, and precious and, and uh, you're a highly valued human being. Thank you. Oh, that's the nicest and most uh, hippie thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not meant to be hippie. Um, but yeah, you know, thank you so much. Fine. I really appreciate it. No, I just had to undercut it because I'm uncomfortable with deep emotion. That's okay. I can, <laughs> I, I've got enough for both of us. All right. Um, very clearly, you are on Twitter. Are there any other social accounts that you want to admit to? Uh, I have a Facebook fan page. I recently got one because I had an uncomfortable interaction with a person who was somewhat too enthusiastic about our level of, of friendship, given that I didn't know him as a human being at all. Um, oh, great. So uh, I uh, have done a Facebook fan page, uh, which people can follow me on. I do a podcast myself called Tea yes. with Alice, where I have tea with people and talk about ideas. Um, and it often gets very philosophical. Uh, it's wonderful. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I, this has been a lot of fun. Well, thank you very much. It's it's designed to be as fun as you want to put into it. So that we've got this much out of it is solely thanks to you, Alice. I really appreciate it. Ah, oh, shucks. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Alliterative is indeed human. <laughs>